We're so glad that you've tuned into our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Kinley Tig, the kids pastor here at Rolling Hills. Today, we're exploring what discipleship means as a follower of Jesus and how we can move forward with the next step in our faith journey. We all have a step to take to grow as a believer. So join us as we discover what God's Word teaches us about this very topic. Now, here's Pastor Jacob. Good morning, church. My name is Jacob. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Rolling Hills. I'm excited to continue this Engage series. And as I was saying that, I'm kind of looking at some of your faces, and I, I think I know what you guys are thinking. I wonder what Jacob does with his free time. So, you know, um, well, let me tell you this. I have three kids, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old, and one on the way. So my question back to you would be, what is this free time you're speaking about? Now, I, seriously, I really do believe that time is what we do with it. And with my free time, I, I coach baseball. Uh, I, I'm assistant coach on a five and six-year-old baseball team, and I'm also a head coach on a nine and 10-year-old baseball team. So I, I love sports. Sports was a big part of my formation as a man. So I love being a part of it. I mean, I, I just love being. And like last weekend, uh, I got for the nine and 10-year-old team, I got to sit in the sun for eight hours and evaluate over a hundred nine and 10-year-olds on a piece of paper. So you come through and you, you, you rate them from one to five on pitching, running, uh, all these things. So, you know, at first I'm, I'm doing really good. I'm like, oh, it seems like a three. This seems like a four. By the end, it was so hot. I was like, that seems like a nice kid. Um, and, uh, so I get, I'm doing all this. And so we, we, get all, we get all the evaluations in and then we go and draft the players. We draft the players. And then yesterday we had our first practice. It was awesome because I was like, hey, that kid's faster than I thought he was, you know. So, but here's the thing about the team. Everybody on this team is at a different stage of their development as baseball players. Everybody on that team is at a different stage of their development as baseball players. Some of them are further along than others. Some of them are like, I have one kid, it's his first year playing baseball, but he's super athletic and he has what it takes. He just doesn't have the fundamentals of baseball. I have another kid who's been playing his whole life He's got it. They're all at different stages. But my job as a coach is this, on the five and six and the nine and 10, to figure out where each player is and meet them where they are and help them take whatever their next step is. That's my job as a coach, to help develop them to where by the end they are better baseball players because I met them where they are and helped them take their next step. But more than that is to help them be better men at the end. But specifically for baseball, my, my job is to help them take their specific next step in their baseball development. And I tell you that because the same thing is true of everybody in this room. We could all be better at baseball. <laughs> We're all at a different place on our journey. Everybody in this room is at a different place in our following Christ. And we all have a next step to take in our development. That's what we call our discipleship. And today as we study God's word, I think hopefully he will reveal to us what our next step is. How he's calling each of us to follow him more closely. And we're gonna look at this text today. If you have your Bible, we're gonna be in Romans chapter eight, verse 29 and verse Oh, it's coming. All right. There's a verse going to show up right here in just a moment. That's not it. 
Uh, it's Romans 8.29, and in Romans 8.29, it basically says this. I'm going to narrow it down to this one phrase, that God is conforming us to the image of his son, that he's making us new. And the, the reason why we honed in in just this little portion of scripture is because that holistically is a theme throughout scripture. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Conform to the image of his son. Because it's a theme throughout scripture. You see this idea of being made new frequently. Because we know this, at creation, we were all made in the image of God. But as followers of Christ, God is remaking us in the image of his son. And you may hear this said different ways in scripture that we are a new creation, that the old has passed away, or we are a new man, or it is a new self. But there's this idea of we were created in the image of God, but now we are being remade as followers of Christ. Because it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 40 minutes or 40 years, we all have a next step to take in our journey. Just like those baseball players I mentioned, they all have a next step in their development. Each one of us has a different step to take in our journey. Because following Christ by nature is not something you can do by not moving. When you're following Christ, standing still is not an option. You can't follow while standing still. And as followers of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And hopefully the Holy Spirit gives what I like to call holy discontentment. That we're not okay with standing still. That coming and just being is not enough. That we don't feel like that's okay. That we have this holy discontentment that wants us, that gives us a holy desire that we know that there's something different than where we currently are in our journey that we desire change. But I think this is true too. This is from Crime and Punishment. I love this quote because I think it's so true that taking any new step, even uttering a new word, is what people fear most. This idea that part of our nature is to fear change. That we fear change. As humans, we're, we're afraid of what changes in our life, but not because we fear the end results. We fear the habits it will take to get there. We want the end result. We want to be healthier, but we don't want to eat right. We want more money in our bank account, but we don't want to have the habits of spending less. And maybe we want to be more like Jesus but we're afraid of what it'll take and what it'll cost us to get there. We don't fear the change, we fear the habits of change. But this is the truth, you, you can't have a journey and not be changed by it. And you can't be changed if you're not on the journey, if you're not moving forward. Recently, I just finished the show Loki on Disney+. Plus. I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but in the last episode, 
a character, I won't tell you who he is, gives too much away. He says this, and I had to rewind and listen to it again because I think it's so true of us in general, is this, is you can't get to the end until you've been changed by the journey. Because in our culture, we really want to get to the end before we have the process of being changed by it, that this is our spiritual journey that we're walking as we're following Christ. This is discipleship being changed by the journey, God meeting us and being with us as he changes us. This is discipleship. And when I say that word, you may think to yourself, discipleship, I, I didn't really grow up in church. I don't know what that word means. Or I did grow up in church. I still don't know what that word means. It's an odd word, but I think the best way for us to walk through it is to define, first of all, what we mean when we say a disciple. A disciple is an apprentice of Jesus. So when you think about it, the word literally disciple means a student. So you're a student of Jesus. Those of us who are followers of Christ, we are a student of Jesus, an apprentice of Jesus, that we're in an apprenticeship with him. He is our master teacher and we are the student. And our goal in this master teacher relationship is to be more like the teacher to watch the teacher, to learn from the teacher and become more like him in the world. And when I talk about apprenticeship, I'm sure that if I told you, think of a movie where apprenticeship is a possibility, you may think of Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker. You may think of Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi and Daniel. This idea of this, this person who is perfected this and the student who is becoming like the teacher. The whole idea of discipleship is Jesus is our master teacher, and the goal is to become more like him, and this is the work that God is doing in us, to become more like him. And this process of discipleship, of becoming more like him, leads us to this, is that a discipleship is a journey towards wholeness, towards wholeness. And maybe if you're like me, you hear that word wholeness and your spirit immediately resonates with that because you don't feel whole. In fact, you feel like a million little pieces or you feel fractured and scattered. And then when you hear that, you're like, I do desire I, I do want to be whole because this is what God does us when he moves us towards wholeness. We begin to see our story differently. Our story is our journey. We begin to see it different. That it's not just fragmented moments, that it is a process, a spiritual journey that God has been working in all along to move you towards this Christ likeness. We begin to see our story as this holistic picture of God working in our lives. Our hearts may feel divided, that we have a divided heart of what we love and our desires in our heart, that God begins to remake our heart and make it whole again. That we may be double-minded, that our, our minds feel like they're in pieces. God wants to renew our mind and make it whole again. That our purpose, we may not know what our purpose is. God, through discipleship, wants to make us whole again and renew our purpose to his purpose. Because here's the truth, Christ himself is whole. Christ 
was the most holistic human that had ever lived. He is everything that's defined in human flourishing. He is whole, and when God is changing us, he is changing us into that wholeness. He is changing us into Christ. Let me say it like this. When, when God looks down on us, he sees Jesus. So as followers of Christ, when we are saved and we step down from the throne of our hearts and let Jesus rule as king, when God looks down on us, he sees the blood of Jesus. He sees the perfection of Jesus. He sees the holiness of Jesus. And one thing I want you to see from that, that if that's true, that means that even on your worst day, you can know that God is insanely in love with you because of that statement, because he sent his son to be in that place for you. That even on your worst day, God is madly in love with you. And that when he looks down, he sees Jesus. But what he also sees is the change that he wants to do in us. Because discipleship is God changing us to what he already sees when he looked down on us to be disciples. He's changing us into his likeness. And in fact, when we looked at the verse earlier, it said that God preordained us to be conformed to the image of his son. And if that means anything, I know it means this, that God promised to do this work in us. And that we can hold to the fact that God wants to do this work in us, that he wants to meet us in this work. But I know our hearts are that we want the change without the habits. That we want in this instant culture, we want it instantaneous, but that's not how God designed this process. God designed it as a slow, intentional process to change us. Just like any time you've ever gone hiking or been on a trail, there's many times halfway through where you wanna just be at the end, but that's not how you go on a journey, that you have to continually walk forward. And it's more like farming than it is a microwave. It's more like horticulture of feeding and watering and reaping and sowing than it is anything else. That is a process that God wants to meet us in and change us. And so maybe you're like, you know, okay, I get it. God wants to change us, that we should be actively moving towards Christ's likeness. And now your question is, well, how does he do that? How does he change us? And here's the first one. One of the primary ways God changes us is through his word. One of the primary ways God changes us is through his word. So if Jesus is our master teacher, and we are the student, and, and we are his apprentice and we all would agree that we say that we love God. When you love someone, you want to know more about them. You want to spend time with them. You want to learn about if Jesus is our end goal, we want to learn more about who Jesus is. We want to learn more about how he was in the world, how he lived on earth, how he interacted with people and how he dealt with different life situations. We want to know more about him so that we can be more like him. And he wants to change us through that word. That's why one of the greatest habits we can do 
is placing ourselves in Scripture daily. That we daily place ourselves in Scripture. So we talked about all of us have a next step to take in our discipleship. And we have a 40-day reading plan we're doing right now with Engage series, but we also have our year-long reading plan, and it is called this for a reason, the daily step. Because no matter where we are on our journey or whatever our next step is, we all have the daily step of meeting God in the Word. And I mean meeting God in the Word before you grab your phone, before you check your email, before you look at the news of running to Jesus first thing in the morning and meeting him there. And for me, when, I, when I'm reading Scripture, when I'm spending time in it, you have to be intentional about saying, I, what, what, time is what we do with it, of scheduling, saying, this is a non-negotiable that I'm going to meet God in this moment at this time, and there's nothing else that can take that time for me. That's why it's the most important habit, because we all have collection of habits, because our habits or our practices are the emotional patterns in our life. These emotional patterns that we all have habits or practices, and every one of those habits or practices are discipling us into something. And it's up to us to meet God in the practice of reading the word, not because we have to. Reading the Bible is not something we have to do. I think it's easy for us to get our minds confused about that. It's something we get to do. It is a privilege for us to meet God in the practice of reading his word. So this is an individual habit that God uses to change us. And when you're thinking about it, when you're, when you're studying the Bible or you're reading the Bible, I know maybe you're like me, you, you read a passage and you're like, I don't, I don't remember what I just read. How can God use that to change me? I remember there was something about a desert or something. I'm not sure what it was. But what I, what I would tell you is this, is like, I personally like to read less scripture instead of reading long portions of scripture. I want to, I want to read less so I can mine it all for what it's worth, because I'm less concerned with you reading the Bible, the whole Bible in a year. I'm more concerned about you reading the Bible the whole year because there won't be a day that comes when you don't need it. So how can we sit and mine scripture for all it's worth and sit down? What I, what I wanna show you is something that maybe you've heard me talk about before with you individually, but is asking questions of the text. Just asking three questions. So if you go to our website, our, our Next Steps Disciples Guide, which is helping everyone take their next step, you'll see on the daily Bible reading practice, these three questions to ask of the text. And I just wanna walk through them really quickly because I think they're super helpful. So when you sit down and you read a passage like Psalm 23, for example, the Lord is our shepherd, we ask the question, what does this passage teach me about God? Because when we sit in scripture and we read it, the first thing we wanna know is, I wanna know more about my creator. I wanna know more about him. I wanna know more about his character. I wanna know more about his loving kindness. I wanna know more about his grace. I wanna know more about his peace. So when you read a scripture like, the Lord is my shepherd, we can say, what does this passage teach us about God? And we can say this, that he wants to guide us. That he wants to lead us on this journey. So we ask this question, what does this passage teach me about who God is? Second one is this, what does this passage teach me about who I am? Because the thing about discipleship, just like 
the baseball players on my team, I had to look at them and see where they are to figure out what is their best next step. And for all of us, if we were going on a trip together, the first thing we would do, we would put in the address of where we were going and it would ask us, what is your current location? You'd have to know where you are to know where you are going. And what this question is, is help us know where we are to learn about how God made us to learn about who we are because scripture is a window to see the world, but more than that is a mirror to see ourselves and see how God created us and who we are in Christ. So we ask this question, what does this passage teach me about who I am? So Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd. We learn that God is a shepherd. He wants to guide us. What do we learn about ourselves? That we need guiding. And then the last question is this. What practices are there to emulate? Or what is this passage calling me to do? Because after we learn about who God is and who we are, the thing we wanna say is, what, what, how does it change Tuesday at work? How does it change Monday morning when I, when I have to go back and be around the people that really get on my nerves? How does it really change my every day? Because we ask ourselves, what does it change about the way I live? So back to Psalm 23. We learn about God, that he is our shepherd. He wants to guide us. We learn about our own heart, that we need guiding. And what does it call us to do? To trust and follow Jesus. So I usually put these on a note card when I'm reading the text and I walk through them and just try to see what God is speaking to me. And then I take it with me in my pocket so I can be reminded of what God taught me through his word in the morning. But here's the thing. This is one of the primary ways God changes us is individually spending time in the word. But there's a next step of that. So that is the daily practice of being in the word, but also would counsel you towards the weekly practice of community, because this is true. The change is most long lasting when linked to community or change is most enduring when it's found in community. And most science would tell us this that when you have a change in your life for that change to be long lasting, it should be in community and accountability with others. That's why AA is designed the way it is. So there's change that needs to happen and you put yourself in community. That's why uh, workout groups of CrossFit and things like that is extra accountability. So you will do what you said you're going to do. And that's why I don't join anything like that. <laughs> I don't want that accountability. I want to stop running when I choose to stop running. I don't want any extra peer pressure for that. But that's why it's designed that way is because the community changes you and holds you accountable to those things. Even more, like most studies show that a community is a better indicator of who your kids will be than anything else. And what I mean by that is it's less what you've done in a parent and more who they have around them. You want to predict where your kids will be, who are the people around them. In fact, you want to predict where you will be, who are the people around you. That's why change is most long-lasting when in community, and God designed us for community to be in this type of life change community. And the thing about it is community changes is in general, but biblical community is a fight against what the enemy wants to do to us. Because the enemy would have a man by himself. How does a wolf attack a flock? He pulls out one from the rest. And I love this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together. If you want to read a great book about biblical community, Life Together is one of those. It says, sin demands to have a man by himself. 
It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more attractive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, and the more disastrous is his isolation. But the enemy would have us by ourselves. But God designed us to come into proximity with one another like this, but then move into community with one another in smaller groups of community. Because I believe this to be true, that you can be in community and not be a disciple, but you can't be discipled and not be in community. Because discipleship always happens in a communal context. And what I don't mean is you can't be a Christian and be isolated. That's not what I mean. Because the change that God does in us is the Holy Spirit that does that change. But God's ultimate mode of transformation is when the people of God study the word of God in the spirit of God. His ultimate mode of transformation is when you're in community and you're being discipled by others that God calls us to be in this type of community. And with our individual practice of being the word, we are in community with God in that moment. We are in community with God in that moment, but then he wants us to move into others' community that we can be together with other believers that are on the same journey we are. So let me give you an example of what this means is so we have a young adult ministry here at the church. I don't know if you knew that. It's uh, between, for ages 18 to 29-year-olds, and it happens on Thursday night. It's about to relaunch here. It's called Thrive. It happens on Thursday nights on August 26th. That's about to relaunch. It's a large group gathering of young adults. We also have a men's ministry. We have a really big men's event coming up. You can see that in your uh, worship guide right there. And we also have a really big women's event coming up. You can see more details there. Also, like on Friday, I played in a uh, Rolling Hills Sports with a Purpose Golf League this last Friday, and uh, Pastor Jeff and his team won, and I'm just a little bitter about it, but, um, but all of those things that I just pointed you to, those are large gatherings, but the purpose of every one of those things is to move people into smaller community that God designed us for. You come to one of those bits, the next thing we want you to do is to be in community, not because it's just something we do, because we believe that God designed us for this type of community. And we believe this, that it's a healthy practice of a follower of Christ to weekly gather with a small group of believers to study scripture. So what you're doing by yourself when you're reading the word, you're affirming that and coming into that changed community to study scripture together, encouraging one another in prayer and walk forward in Christ-likeness together, to be discipled together. So when we train community group leaders, our community groups are about to start in two weeks. When we train community group leaders, they're like, should we have food? I don't care. This is the only thing I care about, that you study scripture together, that you encourage one another in prayer, and you walk forward in Christ-likeness together. Because I 100% believe that is the mode that God changes us the most when those three things are happening together. So when you think about it, with launching community groups in two weeks, there's three kinds of people here in the room today. One, some people who are in a community group now. 
If you're in a community group now, hopefully today's sermon just relights a fire for you, the importance of community and what that community group's gonna look like this year when you launch, that we're gonna be refocused on these things and we're gonna walk forward in Christ-likeness together. Or either you used to be in a community group and you're not anymore. Hopefully this reminds you of how important it is to be in this type of community. Or you're here and you've never been in a community group before. You've never been in this small group setting like this before. And, I, and I've been doing this type of work for a really long time and, I, and in talking to people and walking with them, I've heard many different reasons why people don't get into a community group, what their hesitations are. And I've kind of boiled them down to three that I wanna walk through for just a second. And the first one is this. There's three reasons why people don't get in community groups. The first one is, I'm not holy enough to be in a community group. I'm not holy enough to, or it may be like this, I don't know enough about scripture to go into this small group of believers together. Or I don't know how to pray. But here's the thing, if our community groups were only allowed holy people in, we wouldn't have anybody in community groups. I would not be allowed into a community group if that was true. Because I think that's just an easy misunderstanding of what a community group is. And I think this is a better explanation, that community groups are not a group of perfect people. It is a group of redeemed people being made perfect together. That is a group of followers of Christ that are being made perfect together. It's not holy people. It's redeemed people. And I promise your spirit was designed to be in that type of community. Number two is this. I don't have the time. Um, earlier, I told you that I have 19 kids and I'm coaching 12 baseball teams. And I also lead a men's group on Tuesday mornings. And I'm also in a co-ed group on Sunday nights. It's hard to say that you don't have the time because I truly believe time is what we do with it. Now, I'll be honest with you. Don't tell the people in my group, I don't always want to go. I'm like, oh, that's tonight. And then I always am glad I did when I go. Because I'm in a place where I was built to be. Because I think this is a, we schedule the things that are most important to us. We schedule the things that are most important. The things that make it into our calendar are the things we care the most about. You want to know where your focus is? Just go look at your calendar. And I'm compelling you to, first of all, make it a priority to be in the word and say, this is a non-negotiable. And secondly, to move into community and make it a non-negotiable to be with other believers. And the third one's this. I don't like talking in front of people. I think there's a misconception that people who've never been in a community group think right when you walk in, they're gonna say, oh, here's John, new member. Could you please pray and read scripture for us from memory? <laughs> that's, that's not what community groups are like. What I want you to see is your community group will care for you. They're not gonna ask you to do those things. You gotta remember that everybody in that community group was once not in a community group. And these are people, our leaders have been trained to care for people in such a way that we find out where people are and meet them there. You're not gonna have to talk in community group if you don't want to. 
but maybe God will use a community group to let you know that you should. You may not be ready to pray in public, but hopefully you walk that path to where maybe you want to at the end. But they're designed in such a way to meet you where you are and care for you. For me, if I go back through my journey, there's so many valleys that I had to where if it wouldn't have been for the small group of people around me that I was locked arms with already, I wouldn't have made it through. And as my job, something that keeps me awake at night is knowing that there's people in this room that may get the medical diagnosis tomorrow, may lose the job or a kid is sick and they look around and they, they don't know who to call. Brothers and sisters, I want you to find the community of the people that will lock arms with you, go with you in the valley, go with you to the peaks, and it is nothing, anything different because they were locked arms with you the whole entire way. I promise if you take the next step in the community, you will not regret it. I've tried to make it really easy for you today. If you're not in community, the easiest way to do that is, I got three ways for you. You have a card at the bottom of the bulletin there. All you have to do is fill that out and there's a little box that says group link. Check that, you can drop that in the offering. We'll follow up with you and help you find the best group for you. Or an easier way, there's a QR code on there. You can scan it and it'll pull up a list of every community group we have. And you can scroll through and say, oh, this is a night that works for me. This is a neighborhood that I live in. Here's a a men's group that I'm looking for. And all you have to do is Fill it out and it'll send a message to the group leader and they'll respond to you and say, hey, we'd love to have you. Or if you're like, hey, I just have more questions. When you leave this room, there's a tent in the gallery where they will help you find the right community group for you. There's leaders and specialists back there to answer any questions that you have. But what I don't want you to do is leave here today without taking that next step into community. As we come to the end here, if you hear me say anything, it's that God wants to meet you in your journey. He wants to help you take your next step towards wholeness. And he does that by meeting you in your reading in the word. And he does that by using community around you of people who are taking that same journey. I pray that whatever your next step is, God would clearly show you what that is today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to come into your presence this morning, to sit in your word, Lord, as you conform us to the image of your son, that we would go here today, Lord, looking more like you than when we came in, Lord, because we need more Jesus in this world, Lord. Let us go be that in the world, Lord, by your power, by your spirit, by your word, surrounded by your people. Lord, change us into your son for our good and your glory. And in the name of Jesus, we pray this prayer. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. 
From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.